Welcome one, welcome all. This is the rebirth of the Discovering Masculinity podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, coming to you today from a uh, a rather unseasonably cool Franklin, Tennessee here for uh, the month of August. It's uh, only 85 degrees. I say only 85 because it can be upwards of... uh, you know, 90 plus, but, uh, um, but, uh, today I am coming to you with a, a very, uh, very special guest, uh, a gentleman that, uh, I do follow personally on Instagram and have followed him for, uh, for a little while, um, and got connected to him through, uh, another men's group that I'm a part of, but, uh, joining me today on this episode of discovering masculinity is Mr. Will Spencer. He runs the Renaissance of men movement, which guides men to their purpose, ignites their passion for life and restores them to a place of honor in their families, communities, and society. Uh, as part of uh, Will's platform, he has his very own podcast. Uh, his uh, He does one-on-one coaching and runs men's group, as well as a very vast social media platform, blog, and library. Uh, so we'll have links to uh, all of Will's socials and his podcast uh, that will be in the show notes below. Uh, but uh, Will, thank you so much for uh, for coming on to the show today and for uh, covering some of these topics with me. I, I do appreciate it. I know your time is very valuable, and I just uh, want to say thank you for extending that uh, some of that to me today. Oh, thanks, John, for having me. I was uh, I was really honored that you reached out to have me on board, and I'm excited to be part of the rebirth of uh, your podcast because podcasting is a big part of what I what I do, and I'm excited for the topics we're going to get into today. So, thanks for having me on. Yeah, me as well. Thank you again. Um, so, um, kind of in in the previous formats of of the uh, the show and the podcast, I start off with kind of a a big big question, kind of a deep question right mm. off the bat. But uh, and so you know, I, I ask this question to uh, to every guest that appears. So, um, in in your own words, what does it mean to be a man in uh, today's society, specifically in uh, in the Western world? Well, there's two, there's two answers to that question. There's what society tells men that they are, right? And then there's what men actually are. And so um, the first thing that I would say is that the society that we're living in, it's not, it's not Western. Whatever, whatever it is that we're, society we're living in in America right now is some sort of like, some sort of, I'll call it a globalist society, but it just, it ate the West first. So we haven't lived in a Western society in a really long time. And that society, that, that globalist society, let's say, that ate the West first, has its own image of what, what men are, and men aren't very much. Um, the, phrase that, the phrase that this um, globalist society uses to describe men is toxic masculinity. And toxic masculinity has two faces, and this isn't often talked about. So the first face of toxic masculinity is the one that we all know, the macho blustery, you know, kind of like, you know, bravado kind of guy, all these different words, like macho, bluster, bravado, also fragile, angry, you know, aggressive, like that's, that's one face of it. The other face of toxic masculinity, though, is the response to that, which are really weak, ineffective, and, um, and, and men that don't really have a whole lot of vitality. So there are some men that take all the air out of the room, 
um, when they come in because they're super aggressive. And then there are other men that don't fill a room with life at all. And those men are equally toxic. So those are the two faces of toxic masculinity. That's what this globalist culture thinks of men. That's what it means to be a man in that world. You're going to be one of those two, you know, alpha or beta, let's say, is, is the way that it sometimes gets phrased, unfortunately. That's that world. But what does it actually mean to be a Western man? you know, in, in the West today. That means to to re-embrace Western culture, which is to be dignified, which is to be noble, which is to be godly, which is to be strong in mind, heart, body, and spirit, and to be um, to be a support for women, children, and communities all around you, and to be um, to have a quality of leadership, to also recognize that leadership is itself an act of service, and to be serving those around you and to be serving God. And so that is the renaissance of men is for men to leave that globalized society, reemerge into the West, into the Western tradition of masculinity, and re-embody what they actually are. So that's, that's the two halves of what it means to be a man today. My work is to get men to leave one side and come into the other side where it's much better over here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm um, slow, slowly, but surely trying to, uh, you know, to, to progress to that, to that side as well. And, and, it was funny. I was, I was talking with, uh, with a friend of mine, um, uh, yesterday afternoon and I, I found myself there, there are a lot of figures that, that I find myself drawn to from my youth that kind of embodied that first aspect of toxic masculinity mm. that, uh, and then, and for so long we've, uh, we, as a society, we've, we've kind of put that up as, as a man where, it's I I think it's it's good to be fierce when the when the time you know time and place calls for it. But mm-hmm. when that's your primary primary reaction to all adversity and all problems that come your way, that's when it becomes toxic. And and I I think of you know figures like um yeah you know, this this will be be kind of funny. But um you know Stone Cold Steve Austin is is a guy that you know his character kind of circa fall of two thousand two thousand one he was his character was undergoing an arc where he was just angry because he had gotten you know the storyline was he had gotten taken out by you know car accident he was out for eight months and so he was by god he was coming back to to take it out (laughs) on the locker room to figure out who did this to him and and you know he they they reworked his his theme music so it was a little bit of a heavier metal theme music and and it was just kind of you know and and that only kind of makes sense in a pro you know context of pro wrestling but but yeah it's like we we hold guys up like that or even uh, even today, like, um, you know, sometimes I would find myself drawn to clips of Gordon Ramsay in Hell's Kitchen when he's just like going off on his staff there and just really being, in, in my opinion, verbally abusive. Mm-hmm, and yes. like, that's, you know, he's you know, by, by all intents, by monetarily, he's in by worldly standards, he's successful. But, um, you know, I, I don't. I couldn't, I couldn't work for the man. I couldn't work for the man and be right. productive and, and be successful. So that, that's, uh, uh, it's interesting that, that, that came up and then, and then the flip side of that, yeah, is, is guys who just kind of retreat into their, their, you know, it's like, I know I've experienced some of that too. It's just like where, where you seize up, where you're passive, where you're, you're not, you know, yeah. you, you don't, you don't step forward and, and take that, that meaningful role. And, and um, so we, we kind of touched on this a little bit in that first question, but uh, um, what would you say is kind of the overall status and state of, uh, of masculinity in, in our world today, specifically in the United States and North America? Mm-hmm. I think most of the men, um, by the way, thank you for those. Thank you for those answers. I, I, I agree that there are so many characters in our modern culture that embody um, 
that embody that sort of aggra overly aggressive man, you know, like the Gordon Ramsay, like whoever he is in real life, like who knows, but he's, he's definitely one way or another, he's playing it up for the cameras in this really abusive way. And, and there we're, we're shown those examples through culture. And then the other example we're shown is um, what's that show big bang theory, you know, oh, is mm -hmm. like that kind of like those are, that's the duality of what it means to be a man in this globalized version of America. So what's the state of mass? What's the, the question you just asked was what's the state of, of masculinity right now? Or, or um, I just told you, you just asked and I ask yeah. again, please. Yeah. So what would you say is, is the, 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 the status or the state of, mm -hmm. uh, of masculinity in, in uh, America today? It's, you know, it, 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 at moments it seems pretty dire, you know, mm -hmm. um, if you were to just walk around um, and you look at you look at COVID during those days, um, and you see a number of men in masks, unafraid afraid to ask questions, the number of men buckling, or the number of men that are, you know, happy wife, happy life, or are led by their wives, or bossed around, or shamed, or whatever. You, it looks it looks pretty dire. We've lost a sense of of who we are and really what men are for. Um, that's that's been a cultural project that's been ongoing for a while. So that project was almost successful, almost. But um, there's this there's this thing that lives in, in, in the human spirit, which will not surrender to tyranny. There, there is always a spirit that will long for, for freedom and for truth. And um, in addition to things looking pretty dire, there is a very strong, very powerful, very forceful, and very committed movement of men that will rebirth masculinity or die trying right i mean that that's that's that puts it in a very grave way but um when a man really gets a hold of a of a, a true piece of his own masculinity it's it's the kind of moment where it's like you can't go back from that you can never give it up and you and whether you advance further or not um you it, it never goes away but then when you advance further and you get another piece and you get another piece and you discover that around you, there are hundreds, thousands, perhaps even millions of men doing the same thing. And you wake up and you realize that now you're on this vast battlefield surrounded by fellow combatants. It's like, there's no reason to stop and I would never stop and we will be victorious. So in addition to things looking pretty dire in the mainstream perspective, uh, once you begin really exploring masculinity, the men's movement, um, what I call the Renaissance and the history of it. It's a 40 year history. Um, so was, <laughs> I didn't create it. It's just something that I observed uh, and gave it a name. Once you recognize that you're part of a long and very great tradition, the a real feeling of, of inspiration and, and, and personal empowerment, like meaning, like when we say this word empowerment, right, it has this kind of cultural meaning. But when I say empowerment, I mean, like you plug in, you plug in a light, you plug in an appliance. And it's like it gets powered up. It's like that. Mm -hmm. You feel that it's like, I will never give this up for anything. And I'll fight to the death to keep it and expand it and give it to more men. And there's a very solid, very uh, committed, very dedicated core of men uh, who, like me, started in the secular world and who are now finding their way into Christianity, also like me. And once I discovered that all of my studies about masculinity that powered me up are found reflected in the scripture, and that this is the biblical portrayal of a man and all of our flawed sinfulness, but all of our grandeur and made in the image of Godness, it's like, there's no reason for me to stop and I'm commanded by God to continue. So in amongst, in amongst the swamp of how dire things may, may be, there are seeds, kernels of 
real hope and real regeneration and rebirth. Um, so I'm, I'm quite hopeful, even though at moments it's easy not to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and coming across, you know, platforms like, like yours and coming across certain platforms on online, um, where, you know, where it's not all just like the, the red pill movement or, or MGTOW, you know, groups like that. And we'll, we'll talk, touch on them here in a little bit mm-hmm. later. Cause I, that's one of the purposes of, of this show and why, I, you know, want to start my own platform is just because there's, there's a better answer to, you know, to, to, to what, you know, masculinity is supposed to be and supposed to look like than, than those movements. But I, yes. I also think that, you know, it, like you said, there's, there's always that beacon of truth. And that's, and that I, I feel like that's, that's the word of God. And even looking at who Jesus was as, as a man, there's, there's yes. multiple answers there. Um, a really good book that I'm currently reading through right now is a uh, beautiful outlaw by John Eldridge. I'm a big mm. fan of John Eldridge and his work. And that's a kind of a, a personality study about who Jesus, uh, who Jesus is and, and was, and just kind of looking at the moments where, you know, where, where he was playful, where he, you know, where he suffered, where he, where he actually experienced human emotions and kind of explores how he was fully God and fully man. So um, that's you know, really been a really, really good, good book and a good read through uh, uh, for me. So that's, that's uh, that's definitely definitely shines a light on on masculinity and and what uh, you know just who who Jesus was and you know I I really do I, I really do agree that that yeah there's there's so many you know people out there whether it's in the form of patriotism or whether it's in the form of spirituality that are you know we're, we we don't want to be part of this, you know, part of this experiment or part of this and, and COVID COVID was tough. And I, I talked mm-hmm. about this a little bit in, um, with, in my interview with, with John Eldridge and bring, bring him up again. It's like when the, every, every man has a, a really uh, a core question about themselves and is that, do I have what it takes and, and do I yeah. matter? And the resounding answer that we got from COVID was, was no. Like you need mm. to stay home. Like you're you know, defining someone as an essential worker. Like you're not mm. an essential worker. You need to stay home. Like just completely berating and undercutting someone's identity was just a, a you know, just a terrible thing to befall, befall us. And I, looking back, you know, we, we really, as a country just completely mishandled, you know, how to, this, this pandemic and it, it, it caused a lot of, a lot of issues. And yeah. Um, yeah. So now that we're, you know, now, now that there's, there's people out there like you, that there's people out there like, um, you know, like masculine revival, I'll, I'll give him a quick, uh, give mm-hmm. Brandon a quick plug. He's got a lot of great content on, on his platform. Um, and so many other, you know, men like, like you guys out there, um, it, it does, it does give me hope too. Um, and even, you know, a little bit more in the secular world, um, I follow, I'm a big fan of uh, Tommy Vext, and he's the former lead singer of Bad Wolves. And he, you know, mm. all throughout the uh, the pandemic, he was standing up to it, and he's he's turned his life around and and really made a lot of a lot of strides in um in in as far as you know standing up to standing up to things like like what we were trying to go through, what we went through with with COVID, and and you know he's really stood up to tell the truth, speak the truth. And, and, uh, I really, really admire, admire him as well. So I, I think he's a, he's a good, uh, a good follow too. But, um, 
kind of branching off into uh, a little bit of a, of a different subject, but it, it has a bit of a string there. We, you talked about, you know, we, we talked about you know, what, what one face of toxic masculinity looks like in the form of being overly aggressive and, and uh, almost being celebrated for it. And then mm-hmm. there's the uh, kind of the big bang theory about, you know, guys who, who aren't, you know, who just couldn't fill up a room with their presence, even no matter how, mm-hmm. how hard they try. So, I mean, what, what would you say is, is the biggest difference between, um, you know, uh, someone who's a, who's a good man. The phrase that I like to use is someone who's a good man and someone who's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest difference between the two of those? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is, is the big difference between, between that? Or, or what would you, when you say someone, someone's a good man, maybe someone who's a, been an example in your life that you define as a good man. And then, um, maybe someone you would just say is, a you know, n- maybe not naming names specifically, but someone mm-hmm. you can think of that's just like a quote unquote, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I very much used to be a nice guy. I was a classic nice guy. Like I read, um, uh, uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy by Robert. I can't remember his name. Anyway, the, the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. I can't believe mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the, the, the author of the book right now. He was on my podcast too. Shame on me. But um, I was a classic nice guy. And I think, that, I think the, um, the number one difference between a nice guy and a good man is that a good man speaks up for what he needs um, in terms of asking people for what he needs. This is what I need. Speaks up in response to his boundaries right? Mm-hmm. And, and is able to do so in such a way that's just very like, that's very on the level, right? That's very much like, hey, this is, this is what I need, or hey, this is not okay with me. And the reason why he can do that is because he's in touch with himself. He knows who he is. He's abse- accepted himself. He's overcome his shame and, and believes in his essential goodness. And so when I was a nice guy, I didn't actually believe in my essential goodness. Not at all, actually. I didn't believe that my desires, wife, kids, family were good. You know, I, I, I wanted to feel uh, passion for the woman that I was with. I wanted to feel com- committed to her. I was looking for different things. Um, and, and I was told that wanting all those things as a man made me like an evil, patriarchal, oppressive male with my oppressive male gaze. So I can't even look at women. Like that I have that I have um, sexual urges to raise a family, not to be, not to be, um, exploitative, but to actually be a husband and a father, that essential urge. I think Jordan Peterson talked about this in message to churches. I thought that that was bad. So I couldn't accept myself, Mm -hmm. but that didn't mean that the needs went away. The needs were still there. So the behavior of a nice guy is if I just give enough of myself, I will get back what I need. It's called a covert contract, right? Right. And that never, that never works out because people can't read your, read your mind. You get taken advantage of, well, first of all, you get, you get taken advantage of, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. Yeah. Then two is people can't read your mind. So maybe you'll get what you need, but chances are you probably won't. And those needs will build up for such a long period of time that you then just explode and you get really angry because of all your unmet needs and you feel resentful and it gets really, really ugly. Like that's the, that's the classic, um, that's the classic nice guy kind of pattern, right? Okay. So a, um, a good man who has overcome that essential shame and is in touch enough with his desires to know that they are good. This is why Christianity is so powerful because Christianity, which I wasn't Christian at the time, Christianity actually calls us to be fruitful and to multiply. 
and to provide mm-hmm. and to, and to find a wife and to treat her well. It, it legitimizes all these things from a, from a cosmic level. It's like, I was made, I was made in the image of God. I guess I'm sinful fallen creature, but I'm, I'm good. And all that I'm redeemed. And so to forgive yourself and to overcome shame and to know that you're cleansed of shame in the eyes of God is, is to become in touch with who you are as a man. And then to be able to say, this is, this is what I want and it's okay. And it is good. And to say that, no, that's my boundary. I need to protect myself because I am also made in the image of God. And, and God also has a, a boundary. We are separate from the creation. He has a boundary around us that separates us from him, which is, I can go into that, how that plays into the new age as well, but that's a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. So, um, but to say that it's okay for me to have boundaries because heaven has a wall, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so a good man is able to have a wall and is able to know what uh, what he needs inside the wall and is able to know what he keeps out and is able to speak to it, is able to speak to it in a clear, calm, rational voice that has grounding and presence, that he doesn't need to explode outwards, swinging his sword wildly, or let the walls be collapsed over by people running it over. He's able to defend his wall clearly and with presence and with voice and simply ask. And then he res- And then he's a good man. Now, the answer to that may be no. And that mm-hmm. can sometimes be hard is that we can, we can um, redeem ourselves of shame, we can forgive ourselves, and we can set up this wall, and we still have a journey to go on to be okay with hearing the word no when we ask for what we want. Because Some, someone, they have their own free will, right? right. And that's why yeah. there is also a journey to go on um, to know what we need to be able to provide for ourselves and, and how to have the right people around us that give us what we need that we can't provide for ourselves. And so that's the primary difference. Those are some of the primary differences between a nice guy and a good man is a good man has reconciled himself to his desires, to his boundaries, to his needs, knows how to provide the things that he can for himself and knows how to properly evaluate the people around him that can give him the things that he can't provide for himself. And then Mm -hmm. once he is supported in that community and once he has God on his side, he's able to give so much more of himself and from this endless abundance. And that's the ultimate fulfillment of what it means to be um, to be a good man. Yeah, yeah, that's that's some really good, really good uh, uh, stuff in there. Um, just kind of a couple things that that came to mind for mm-hmm. me when when you were going through that is, um, you know, I've, I've I myself has been the been the classic nice guy, and yeah. and especially you know uh, erupting in a lot of that resentment and and anger that you just don't know where it's coming from or why that you know we've you know we all we've all i think we've all experienced that and um a lot of times too just being that classic nice guy you're not even sure what your needs are you're just you're you're being told by society what your needs are but you don't really you can't really know them or, or put put words to them and and so sometimes that that's a part of the struggle too of of you know once if you if you're not reconcile to God if you if you don't even know what those needs are because some of our addictions and and bad habits are tied to needs that we might not necessarily have had growing up in, in our own journey and, and there's actually a yeah 
uh, a really good book that uh, um, that I'm going to be starting here, but uh, uh, it's called Unwanted, and it, and it it touches more on on the sexual part of things, where uh, it kind of goes through like our our or how our origin story and our family of origin feeds into um, our how that plays into our sexual desires and what. Oh uh, wow! And so it it was a really really powerful. Um, it, I, I heard him on a, on a separate podcast called The Places We Find Ourselves, and um, that um, you, you know that. Uh, um, that podcast really brought, uh, brought a lot of light to mind about, you know, you sometimes you just don't even know why you do the things that you do or wow. why you're drawn to the things that you do. And, and there's some deep exploration that, that needs to be done with, uh, with, with that. And, but then, like you said, once you're, you're reconciled to, to God and you've got that community, like Jesus asked for a lot of things. He knew what his needs were. There were times that he, that he, rested that you know that you know and he was um one of my favorite thing revelations that that kind of came to me early on when i was a baby christian was talking about when he went out and was let out into the desert but to to be tempted but what a lot of us don't realize he was led by the spirit the holy spirit out into Mm -hmm. the desert to be tempted because that was something that he needed to to be done for his own growth and and initiation and and there's just there's so much there's so much there that that and he had the the disciples around around him and you know they were you know he knew he knew when he needed to rest when he needed to you know step up and be fierce and and so it there's there's a lot of a lot of that um you know, where, where, you know, of course, Jesus is the ultimate, you know, good man. I mean, he's the mm-hmm. ultimate example that we can, we can look to. And, and, uh, um, so one of the, the things that, uh, um, I do want to uh, talk with you about here just right before we'll, uh, we'll take a break here in, in just a quick moment, but, um, there is a, um, there's a lot of, um, talk these days about, um, we mentioned it earlier, the, the quote unquote red pill, uh, mm-hmm. movement or the, uh, you know, a movement called, uh, MGTOW, um, where it's short for men going their own way. It's based more of a, in a secular belief. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about those, those movements and, and what your, your take is on those and, and how would you describe someone to those, those types of, uh, um, group online groups that, uh, that have kind of popped up? How would you describe that to, uh, to others? So the red pill, I'm glad you asked this question because it's really super up for a lot of things that are going on right now. Um, So the red pill grew out of um, the pickup era. So the pickup era of men, uh, this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, they had discovered this um, series of techniques called game, which was good at seducing women into kind of one night stands the kind of women who could be seduced into, into one night stands, right? Not Christian women, mostly not, not, you know, secular, secular women. And what these guys discovered, what they really saw um, a bunch of different things. They saw the ways that they had been told about society, how to be where uh, men were false, because they had always been told that they would have success with women if they were the nice, sweet, accommodating guy. But when they acted aggressive, you know, like not physically aggressive, but like sexually aggressive and, and, and were like turned in seducers and flamboyant and broke all the rules. They found that they had all the success with women that they were promised to have if they were nice guys. They broke all the rules and they had more success than when they followed the rules. And this was very disillusioning for them uh, as, and, and it uh, gave rise to them understanding, seeing something called the gynocentric social order. 
which is what the which is from the book um, the rational male by rollo tomasi and so when you take the red pill and you see the gynocentric social order it's like seeing the matrix all around you of, of how we're you know we're fish swimming in this feminist kind of sea that we can't see around us anymore that's that's where the metaphor the red pill came from these men who did this also saw the worst sides of women meaning um they saw women being uh, willing to cheat, willing to abandon the um, the sort of, I guess you might say the predatory aspects of women, hypergamy that says a woman doesn't actually love you for who you are as a man. She only loves you for what you can provide for her. And if this other guy over there can provide more thrills or more money, she'll ditch you for someone else. So, so the men of the red pill era really saw a lot of the shadow side of society and they saw the shadow side of women and there were two there were two responses that men of this era had to seeing the shadow side of women which were which is a real thing we're not allowed to talk about that exists but women have shadows women have a sin nature like that's just true men have a sin nature women have a sin nature that's just true it's very uncomfortable to talk about women's sin nature in christian circles but it needs to be done so these men saw women's sin nature they didn't use that term but that's what they did they had two different responses to that one was what we what we would classically call the red pill which is uh you see women's power and the only possible response is to become more powerful than women right it becomes a power dynamic it's kind of nihilistic or nietzschean in that way where it's like okay this is women's power over men men need to become more powerful than women and subjugate and subjugate women it's kind of like the back and forth like feminism said men are more powerful than feminism became more powerful so now men are becoming more powerful that's the red pill right that's what's that's that ideology migtow on the other hand said this situation is irredeemable and we're just going to leave the playing field forever. We're not even going to try. Now, mm -hmm. there were some aspects of MGTOW early on that were healthy, which was men that recognized they were way too invested in women's approval and in, in dating and sex and relationships. And they needed to go, quote unquote, monk mode and sort their stuff out first before re-engaging with women. That was the positive aspect of MGTOW, men going their own way, you know, and then they decided to go, um, they decided to, uh, then re-engage with women but some men took it too far and said we're just leaving the playing field we're taking our ball and going home that's the destructive side of MGTOW that's where it's at today so both of the, what both of these pieces of the men's movement lack is an understanding of uh, men's sin nature women's sin nature how we can be redeemed and brought together and how we both need to repent um, and I don't even necessarily mean this just in a religious sense, but re men recognizing their mistakes, women recognizing their mistakes, the way that we've hurt each other, forgiving and coming back together. The red pill must control and dominate over women. The MGTOW avoids women altogether. The real answer is something that I call the great reconciliation, which is men and women recognizing that they belong together in a properly organized relationship that properly organized relationship as i've come to discover is biblical in nature because it's described and it's described very clearly in the bible in a way that redeems both of us brings us together in a godly way the 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 divine design for man women and marriage and so i call that the great reconciliation and so what i'm doing with the renaissance and the great reconciliation is to try and put forth an alternative vision of what men and women can be that's not based on power dynamics or separating from each other altogether it's coming back together and being reconciled because we belong together. Mm. Yeah.
Yeah, that that's very very well put. I've tried to explain. I've tried to explain both of those uh, those movements um, to to friends several times because they're not really sure what uh, what they were. And and yeah. I've I, I've uh, unfortunately you know. I, I, I don't want to say unfortunately, because if, if I hadn't been viewing that content and I hadn't right. had that strong, the strong Christian influence and, and just thinking like, yeah, some of what these guys say, you know, make, makes a look, makes some sense. There's, there's some things that like, you know, you, you've got to, you know, have goals and direction for your life and become a, you know, a, a good version of yourself. And, and, you know, there's, uh, you know, sitting, sitting around and, playing video games and eating chips all day. That's not a way to live your life as, as a man. And, right. um, and so, you know, there's, there's some things, there's some good, but the other aspects of it of kind of like the, the reverse feminism, I guess, is the, the good way to put it about the, the red pill movement. And even, even MGTOW is, is just the, my, my thought always was like, well, there's gotta be a better way, you know? And, and mm-hmm. so I, I started this platform and sought out men like, like you just to, to, you know, explore that and explore how there's a, there's a better way, you know, there's, there's gotta be a better way. Let's, let's find it and let's, you know, discover, discover it. So, I mean, that's part of the reason that, that the, the show has its name discovering masculinity, because we're trying to, I'm trying to go on that journey. A lot of ways I'm going on that journey myself and trying to uh, discover that. So um, really great, uh, really great stuff there. Will. let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Uh, This is the discovering masculinity podcast. Again, uh, Will Spencer, of the uh, Renaissance of Men movement is joining me on the uh, the podcast today. We'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit uh, about Will and his own journey here in just a few moments. Uh, I am your host, John Walton. We'll be uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Discovering Masculinity podcast, the rebirth episode number two. Uh, joining me today is Mr. Will Spencer. Uh, the he is he runs the Renaissance of Men movement, and uh, Will, uh, it's uh, we had some really great conversation there in the first half of the uh, of the show. Uh, really great uh, answers on. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I never really knew a, a whole lot about the. Uh, I couldn't put it as succinctly about the the Red Pill and MGTOW movement. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank you again for for those answers and and um, um, actually I. Uh, thought about having a couple of those guys on the uh, the show, but uh, I want to sharpen up my debate skills before uh, b- right. before we do that. But uh, um, so 
let's talk a little bit more about uh, about you and your own platform here for for just a moment. Um, uh, just g- kind of take us back um, and and uh, talk. Well, you talked a little bit about how you were that classic nice guy many many mm. years ago, and mm-hmm. let's let's go back to that that point in time in in your history and just kind of tell us where you were and and how you started this uh, this own journey that that you've been on and how it led to uh, starting your uh, starting the movement uh, that is Renaissance of Men. Right. So I think a, a good starting point is roughly 2012, about 10 years ago. Um, I, there's, a, there's a photo that I'll post occasionally on social media. I think it's on my website somewhere um, of me, what I looked like in 2012. And let's just say I was quite doughy. It was maybe you know 50 pounds heavier, miserable, stuck, super, super nice guy. In fact, regularly I would get people saying like, well, I thought you were gay, like stuff like that. You know, it was Mm -hmm. like, just because I was, I was very passive and very, and very soft-spoken, not, I mean, in, in, in many ways inside, I was the same guy. Like I I remember being that guy, but my outside presentation was very different because I had a lot of stuff in the way. Um, And then in 2013, I discovered uh, the Mankind Project. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mankind Project, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a weekend men's initiation and um so again this was nine years ago um i always have to i always have to put a caveat when i talk about the mankind project i think it's possible the organization might have gone woke um mm, so okay. at the time i mean at the time it was i was in northern california so there were woke elements to it but it's northern california but right. as a nationwide yeah. organization i don't know i don't know whether i can endorse it now it's possible but you'll have to use your own discernment but anyway mm-hmm. so the mankind project is um it's not it's definitely not christian though that i can't say um, the Mankind Project is a weekend men's initiation. And one of the challenges about being a man today is that um, the way that society used to work is when uh, a generation of boys reached a certain age, 11, 12, 13 years old, something like that, they would be taken by the men of an, the village from their mothers and taken into the forest and initiated, put into some life or death situation where they had to step up and they would either a- accomplish it or they would die or they would be killed because if in that moment, that, that crucial moment, a boy couldn't prove himself worthy to be um, to take care of the tribe and to sacrifice his own life and comfort in the process, then he couldn't be relied upon in a real life and death situation. And so he couldn't he couldn't be allowed to become a man or or um, or he would die and, and, and fail the test. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the men, the, bo- the boys who made it were then given the status of full manhood within the tribe by the elders and by the, the chief of the tribe. Say, so, congratulations, now you are a man. So when John Eldridge talks about the question that lives at the heart of every man, do I have what it takes? The reason why that question is left, I don't remember, I've read Wild at Heart, I have it on my shelf, but I think the reason why that question is left unanswered in so many men today is because initiation is supposed to teach the boy that he has what it takes because he's put into a crisis situation where he has to discover that he has what it takes to survive. Right. Yeah. So we don't have those rituals. Um, we don't have those rituals anymore in our, in our culture. We haven't in quite a long time, What the mankind project was successful at doing was coming up with uh, a men's initiation where you had to discover whether or not you had what it takes and you weren't going to die in the process. Right. Yeah. Cause obviously like, I'm going to go off to an initiation. I might die, but cool. Right. right. Yeah. Right. That'd yeah, be one hell of a waiver you'd have to sign. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, that'd be, that's a whole thing. So, so they, they were successful in coming up and coming up with an initiation where when you did it, you walked away and been like, oh, wow, like I really had to touch something inside myself 
and and then to be acknowledged by the men around you like yes now you are a man you have been initiated and so the men who came out of the mankind project if they continued with the work universally found that planted seed within them would transform their whole life and i was one of those guys um it, it, you couldn't just go and expect it to be a magic bullet for your life because when a boy is initiated by his father he gets to continue living around his father right who gets to raise mm-hmm. him now as a man in our modern world if you go to the initiation and you're initiated around all these men that you never see again you're you're back on your own in your own habits right, right. which is why yeah. you have to continue in a community of men so that's what i did so coming out of the mankind project in 2013 i found my way into men's groups i ultimately found a therapist and then the same therapist that I, male therapist, the same therapist that I was seeing also ran a men's group. So for about 18 months, I would go back and forth. I'd be in my men's group on Monday night and with my therapist on Thursday. And so between that dynamic, um, I was able to bring up stuff with my therapist, talk about it with other men, bring up stuff with my therapist, talk about it with other men, and unearth all this stuff out of me. That was yeah. really bad and really in the way trauma from childhood, abuse, neglect, abandonment, all of it, all of it, you know, generational stuff, you name it. And so after about a year and a half of doing that weekly, like really throwing my back into it in my men's group, I had the strength to confess something that I lived with every minute of every day, but that I never had told another man before. It was that present and it was the one thing that was holding me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was related to a, a, a relationship that I felt I couldn't leave. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. And once I, and once I confessed that, once I confessed that, that truth, and I was seen in the light of it, I knew inside my own heart, and I've only realized this in reflection, I knew in my own heart that as soon as I had said to other men in a circle verbally, this is a problem in my life, I was then accountable for solving it. Because mm-hmm. if I said yeah. week after week, yeah, guys, I'm not happy in my relationship, not happy in my relationship, I knew some part of me, no, not because I knew anyone would say anything about it, but some part of me knew I am now accountable for it. And so once I said that, everything in my life started to change. And within, uh, within f- at most four months, probably three months of that, my relationship was ended. I had ended my relationship mm-hmm. and was then liberated to, to travel, which I then began doing in, in 2000. And, in 16 and um so from the mankind project into men's groups and then when i started traveling that's when i discovered um on youtube this talk by this man richard cooper uh, he's one of the red red pill kind of guys yeah yep. yeah he, he talks he has this talk called be better and i mm-hmm. watched this talk be better at the 21 convention and i remember writing in my journal at the time today feels significant because i had discovered that there was this whole other side to the to the men's movement than the mankind project inner work stuff i discovered the red pill world and i just Mm -hmm. dove in and explored all this and i realized that the men's movement is this big complex thing with all these different uh tribes and factions and halves to it and there's as much a need for inner work for men as there is outer work so the red pill is about working on your outer life men's inner work with the mankind project is like working on your inner life i had done both and yeah. I, I, I put so much effort into that, into reading and understanding and developing and cultivating my masculinity that when I finally got back to the United States in, uh, in 2020, the world got locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found my way into Alexander Cortez. He's, a, he's big on Twitter. He's a fitness guy. Um, I found my way into his Telegram group, The Inner Circle. And mm-hmm. I just started sharing my thoughts with this group of a couple hundred guys. And I found that men were listening to what I had to say. 
because I had traveled, I had done all these work, I'd read all these books, I transformed myself, lost a bunch of weight when I got back to the United States and really got myself in great shape. And I was like, well, I wanted to, I wanted to be a psychotherapist to work with men. Yeah. But then I did a blog post called um, To Lose the World and Gain My Soul, which is like, I will speak truth regardless of the cost. And I'll, I'll share that link with you if you want to share it with your listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And when I posted that, that blog post, it went viral. And mm -hmm. I realized there's so much demand for what I have to say. I can't spend three to five years in school to be a therapist. I can start doing it now. Yeah. So then I had the idea for the podcast to begin sharing what I know and social media and it all grew it all grew from there. So it's been a very organic journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a fantastic story. And, and, uh, it's interesting. You brought up, um, brought up Richard Cooper. He's actually, that's kind of how I got started, uh, looking at some of that content as well. Amazing. Looking, just, I saw him on YouTube. Oh, I think it was 2017. I think, uh, when I was living out in Phoenix and, and had, <laughs> that's where I live. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, 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 uh, yeah. I used to live, um, on, uh, on the corner of uh, 32nd and uh, street in Southern down by South mountain. Okay. Um, so that, um, the company I worked for at the time, their, uh, corporate headquarters were, were over by the airport. So you could look across the snake river and see the, see the airport from, from our office building. Um, oh, wow. But, I live at 16th street. I live, uh, I live in 16th street in Camelback. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not, not too terribly far, but, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, so I just discovered that. And then through, through him, I found um, I found Terrence pop. He was another kind of red pill, MGTOW mm -hmm. guy. And, and, um, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of quote unquote guy humor, um, mm -hmm. in his content. And, um, um, and so I, yeah, that, that was kind of how, how I discovered, discovered the red pill movement and kind of, um, yeah. And there was a while there that I was trying to, to pursue that and, and just kind of work on my own outer stuff and, and, for a season of, of my life, I was kind of MGTOW just because I was just, you know, I was working, I was working two jobs and, and I, uh, you know, I wasn't having a lot of success mm -hmm. in relationship and that's, I've talked about it on the show before, but, uh, um, I've haven't had a lot of girlfriends in my life. So, uh, that's, that's been, that's been a point of, been a point of growth for me, I guess, here in the, in the last, uh, you know, in, in the last few years, just to, to work on, you know, how I relate to the the feminine and even, mm. um, over the last, you know, several, several weeks and, and year, year plus is just learning and, and, you know, figuring out why I relate to, to the feminine, like, like I do. And there are some things in my past that, that I can point to and, and, yeah. uh, um, but, um, yeah and, and i actually um invited uh invited rich onto the show once and and uh didn't didn't follow through with the invitation it was it was my fault that i didn't mm. didn't follow up with him because he he said he might be interested in, in coming on and and having some discussion with me so i might uh might pursue that and see uh see how that comes about but uh um so, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit, uh, before we started uh, during the break, before we started, uh, you know, doing this recording here, um, I just wanted to see if there were any, you know, things that, that you wanted to, to ask me and, and kind of get a little bit more, um, feedback about how, how I see things in, in the world of masculinity. And so I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll turn the floor over to, uh, to you, see if you've got anything that you'd like to, to talk about specifically or. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, 
I just want to take a moment to really uh, honor you for the way you acknowledge that there were things in your past that have affected your your present, because I think that there are, um, and, and uh, we don't have to talk about it, obviously, but I just want to acknowledge it because there are a lot of men that are uh, really reluctant to acknowledge that, hey, there are things that happened in my past that have impacted the man that I am today, and they're painful and they hurt. And, and, and uh, until men... And, and this is men and women. This is every human being on earth, like welcome to earth, right? Literally welcome yeah. to earth. Until people are really willing to take a look at that, um, they will have trouble making meaningful progress, mm-hmm. men and women, um, because men are liable to pr- pretend that nothing can hurt them until uh, they burn themselves out pretending that nothing can hurt them. Or on the other hand, lots of men are dragged down by it because they can't look it square in the face and reckon with it. So that you acknowledge that there are things um, in your past that um, that affect you and and that you're that you're working with or struggling with in some way, like you're in meaningfully, is very powerful. And I just encourage you to to stay on that path. And, and so I, I guess my question would be like, what got you interested in really studying this the subject and and uh, and changing. Um, and, and I mentioned you mentioned that you the podcast was originally titled M60, like I think you said masculinity in 60 minutes or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, and then now discovering masculinity, like what was like what was what was your journey like, and and why why a podcast? Well, a couple things about about doing a podcast is um, when I was younger, uh, it was something I, I never really pursued it, but I, I had uh, always had an affinity for, um, you know, like towards, uh, broadcasting and, and being on the radio. And I I've been, uh, been a, a fan of, of talk radio for, for a long time. Uh, and when the podcasting format, um, once that became a little bit more, uh, available to, you know, the, the everyday person, like just being able to buy a laptop for a couple hundred dollars, mm-hmm. buying, you know, buy a microphone for, you know, you, you can get pretty much anything that you need for a podcast on Amazon is we're in that space now where, where it's a lot more accessible to, uh, to do that. And so I just wanted to pursue, to pursue that. And, and many, many years ago, uh, in 2004, uh, I read Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Um, oh, wow. And um, that actually uh, helped lead me to uh, to Christ and being becoming a Christian. Um, and and so I, I when I first read it, but there were just so many things that I read in that book that just that made so much sense to me about who I was as as a man. And there were seasons of my life where I admittedly fell away from from that type of thinking and and um, there were some, some traumas that, that happened to me. I was rather unceremoniously fired from a job that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was, um, I actually wanted to go back to school and try and become a psychotherapist back in uh, 2010. And that didn't work out just because of a, the primary reasons for me is I ran out of money and ran out of willpower to, to be disciplined and to, to stay in school and and do Mm -hmm. it that way. And, and so, I just kind of unplugged from that part of my life and got a quote unquote real job and just tried to, you know, soldier on, I guess, and, and, um, work on some of those outer things like financial status. And, and, um, and so, you know, when, when I dis when I got plugged back into, um, when I discovered the, the red pill movement, um, that kind of opened up my eyes, like, okay, like there's, there's more to this. And, and I could just feel, I can just feel God calling on my heart. Like, you know, there's, there's a different, 
there's a different way to approach this. And like, this isn't, this isn't who you're called to be as a man and as a, as a child of God, like there's, you know, the, the parts about just, you know, one of the terms that's used in the red pill movement is spinning plates, like, you know, mm-hmm. having multiple women as, as sexual partners and girlfriends at the same time. Like, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not who I've ever been as, as right. a man. And, and I know that that's, that's one thing that I vehemently disagree with about where, where they come, come at looking at, at issues like that. And, um, just being inspired, uh, partly to get back into podcast, to get into podcasting and starting and just being inspired by guys like, uh, like Steven Crowder. Uh, he's, mm. he's a very, um, I actually discovered him while I was living in, in Phoenix. And I know he started from his den in a spare bedroom that he had in his house in Michigan and, and grew it into the brand that he is today. You know, almost, I don't, I forget how many subscribers he has on YouTube, but now he's part of the blaze TV network and he's got a really, his own really successful platform and an employee, you know? And so I can see like, you know, I'd, I'd like to grow my own platform and, and my own voice into, into that. And, I can do it. I feel like I can do it through exploring men's issues and, and exploring masculinity and, and, um, and just, you know, pro- providing another, providing an additional voice out, out there in the, in the space that, uh, that says, Hey, you know, there's, there's a better way to do this. There's a better way to, to, to live life. You know, you don't have to succumb to, you know, you don't have to be part of what society says you have to be as a man. And, and there's a noble way that you can step into it and that there's a better way to do it than what, you know, than, than what these guys in the red pill movement and MGTOW and, yep. and the online men's movement are saying. And so it's just to, uh, to kind of step into that role and to step into, to, um, you know, to, to, um, to provide another, another voice there. Um, I went through an experience, um, earlier this year called freedom prayer. And um, Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that program, but spent really uh, almost two and a half, three hours with a couple of guys at a local church here in, uh, in Nashville. And and we just really into deep prayer and just, you know, kind of communing with, with God in that space. And, and he, one of the, the things that I felt was, was called to was just my, you know, my first name's John. So, um, I don't think that's coincidence because, you know, John the Baptist prepared, prepared the way it was, was a voice in the, in the wilderness preparing mm-hmm. the way. And so I feel like that's one of the ways that I can step into to who I am is, is embracing that part of my identity just to be another, another voice and kind of, uh, Bart Hansen with wild at heart. He talked to, to me a little bit about it, just bringing, bringing the torch to the field, I guess is, uh, is what, uh, the way that he put it in one of the mm-hmm. early episodes that I had. And so, just again, bringing that torch to the field, like, you know, Hey, this is, this is what we need. This is what we need as a society is, is good, strong, godly men who are, you know, who can give of themselves and, and, um, you know, are, are plugged into, plugged in and empowered, like, like you had said before. Praise God, brother. That's an awesome, awesome testimony and awesome story. Like it, I really applaud you for your courage to step in and, and begin speaking this way and begin um, following the example of uh, the men who have inspired you, right? That's a, that's a, it's a noble journey and um, uh, congratulations for picking it back up again. And because a lot of men, they wouldn't have the courage to say like, you know what? I screwed up. Let me, let me reboot. They'd just be like, they would, they would try and, and brush their perceived failure 
under the rug and just forget that they ever had a podcast versus like stepping up and like, no, I'm rebirthing this. I'm starting. I screwed up and now I'm back to try again. And it's like, and everyone else is like, cool. <laughs> We're glad you're back. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, I've had uh, some really good, uh, some, some really good feedback so far from, um, you know, those that, that I've reached out to as far as in regarding to, uh, to getting it started again. And, and, um, yeah, it's just been, uh, looking back at, at, uh, the, the previous episodes that I, that I had, it's, it's, uh, it's been a real blessing just to have the, the men that I've had on so far and, and, um, continuing, I'm just going to continue that outreach. And, you know, some of these episodes, it's just going to be me in my opinion, by myself talking into a microphone and then other, you know, uh, I, I, I love, I love these long form interview interviews and, and formats that, uh, you know, that, uh, like what we're doing here today. So mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to do, do more of those. And, and, uh, so it's just a matter of, just a matter of reaching out and, and, um, yeah, and I, it was funny. I, I, I had John Eldridge on a previous episode and, and, uh, it was just a, a total surprise that, that I got, that I, that he agreed to, to do that. But all yeah. I had, all I did was just reach out and, um, even, uh, having Dennis Prager on, it was, it was a huge, huge thrill too. Cause it was, I just wasn't expecting anything back. Cause he's right. You know, he's one of the godfathers of, of talk radio and just, you know, and, and, um, just has his hands in so many, so many things. And, and it was just a, a huge thrill to, uh, to talk to him. And, um, so I'm, I'm going to keep that going. And, uh, I did, I did reach out to, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson and his team, but uh, I haven't heard anything back yet. I'll but, probably uh, be tough. Yeah. 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 I keep my fingers crossed. You never know. For but, sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe someday when it grows, if it grows enough, I can, you know, maybe get them on, but, uh, um, but this was, this was awesome. Well, it was really great to, uh, to meet you and talk to you. And, and, um, uh, before we go, um, go ahead and let the, uh, the audience know some of the best places to, to find you and find your, uh, your platform, the Renaissance of men. Yeah. The, the best way to find everything is you just go to linktree, linktree, uh, L-I-N-K-T-T-R dot E-E slash ran of men, linktree ran of men. From there, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me where I'm very active on stories, uh, you can find me on Twitter where I'm active daily. I have a podcast, which is available on Apple and Spotify, and you can find that on the link tree as well. Uh, it's also on YouTube and, um, you can go to my website and you can go rentofmen.com slash newsletter and subscribe to my newsletter or email me at info at for information about my one-on-one -on -one men's coaching and my men's groups. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. And all those links will be, uh, in the show notes. So, uh, feel free to, uh, to take advantage of those through that. Uh, Will, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me on the show today. Um, and, uh, you know, it was great to talk to you. We'll have to have to set up some time and do this again, uh, here pretty soon. It was, uh, you know, I think we've got a, I think we've got a lot more to, uh, to discuss and there's a lot more uh, on the table there that we can have some good conversation about. So thanks again for, uh, for joining me today, Will. This is, uh, this is the Discovering Masculinity Podcast, Rebirth Episode 2. I am your host, John Waltz. I will talk to you all next time. <laughs>